everybody. It's Paul at the Nonpartisan Evangelical Podcast. Glad you're with me today. And in my spiritual tradition, we have people known as prophets. We're going to talk a little bit about that in our podcast today. Let me tell you something first before we get started. Many of you may not know, I do coaching life coaching around emotional health and well-being. How do you have a life that's fulfilling, sustainable, and transformative? A life that makes you feel like you have a purpose, isn't going to burn you out, and changes the world for the better around you. That's the type of coaching I do, and I've had great success working with people. And there's sort of two ways you can do this. You can join what we call a cohort of leaders that work together, work through online curriculum and work with me one on one each week to go through a 15 week program that will have you come out the other side being the best you that you can be. Or now we're offering something new, a monthly spiritual coaching session. It's so new, I don't even have it up on the website yet, but you can find this on my coaching website. CoreLeadersNetwork.com is the name of the website, CoreLeadersNetwork.com. Or you can go to a regular website, NPEPodcast.com, send me a message through the contact page and say, hey, I'm interested. So if you've been thinking like, I just want to ask myself some life questions and get better. If you're thinking like I'm going through a life transition time and I'm wondering what's on the other side, or just feeling like I think there's something bigger and better for me, I can help. Join me for the Core Leaders Network coaching that I do. Go to coreleadersnetwork.com for information or email me through our website npepodcast.com and I'll tell you more how you can be in the cohort or have one-on-one spiritual coaching sessions with me each month. I look forward to talking to you. Now, a prophet is not necessarily somebody that tells you every sin you've ever done or tells you something that's going to happen in the future and get stoned if they don't get it right. But what they really are is just somebody that hears from heaven and shares it out. Now, some of you may say, oh, it sounds crazy and hocus pocus. I've, I've actually seen people use prophetic gifting that has been really amazing to see. I, I do believe in the gift. I've seen it in action. I've seen people tell people things from a prophetic perspective that they couldn't know if they didn't have some mystical attachment to some otherworldly resource to know it. In the book of Jeremiah, chapter 5, we see a time when culture was in upheaval and people were saying, hey, we're going to be okay. We're not going to be overthrown by this other nation because we're powerful and God loves our country so much. And there was this guy named Jeremiah that said, oh, no, all those prophets that are saying that, that are talking about making our country great again, are wrong. We're going to have our culture overturned, and it's God's mercy to get our attention again because we've turned our face from them. And I see that in the prophets in my spiritual tradition, that evangelicalism has been married to right-wing politics for so long, it, it has created sort of a community groupthink that impacts what our prophets, how they're interpreting what they hear from this otherworldly process I was telling you about. How would you feel if you had a father that really had this prophetic gift and had seen it become really a political um, voice through him? My guest today is one of those people, but what I love about her is her voice is starting to be found as she talks about her journey out of right-wing evangelicalism and doing so with her father kind of going in the opposite direction, but doing that with them both loving and honoring each other at the same time. It's a message that's so important in this season. How do we disagree and still love each other? Promise Inlow is my guest, and she's a social media blogger who's saying important things in the world right now. And as my wife and I love, she's a millennial voice for this next season. So I think you're really going to enjoy this podcast. Stick with me, and don't forget, join me for some coaching, and I'll tell you more about how you support the nonpartisan evangelical a little bit into this podcast. But now, enjoy my conversation with Promise Inlow on the nonpartisan evangelical at npepodcast.com. For 
those willing to listen, learn, and have eyes to see and ears to hear, this is the Nonpartisan Evangelical Podcast. I could stand in the middle of Fifth Avenue and shoot somebody and I wouldn't lose any voters, okay? Challenging the mindset of right-wing Christianity and encouraging people to have their minds renewed and hearts transformed. What knucklehead, mush for brains, evangelical leaders are trying to uh, to overthrow Trump. It's a special kind of dumb and calling yourself a Christian. Let's have better conversations about the life modeled in the Bible so we can truly tell the world God is not mad at you. This is the Nonpartisan Evangelical Podcast at npepodcast.com. Welcome to the podcast, everyone. Excited to be with you again today on the Nonpartisan Evangelical Podcast. And I tell you, one of the things I like to do is talk to people who are maybe reconstructing some of what they've walked through in the evangelical life that they've led. That's what a lot of you are doing who listen to this podcast on a regular basis. And sometimes we just have to say we're learning as we go. And the other thing I told you is I like, my wife and I both feel like there's something really special in the next generation that's going to fix a lot of the crap we've messed up, messed <laughs> up in the previous two generations. And so my guest today hits both of those target audiences, and her name is Promise <laughs> Inlow. And she does a lot on social media talking about where we are in evangelicalism today and comes to us with an intriguing story because of who her parents are. And we'll tell you more about that. But Promise, thanks for being with me today on the podcast. Thanks for having me on here. I'm excited. So, I guess before we get into your family history, and it may be have to be part of it, but you are, is that fair to say you're in a little bit of a reconstructive time or have been in a reconstructive time of your religious faith? Definitely. I think I'll keep saying that forever at this point, and, but I wouldn't have. Oh, you're in uh, perpetual reconstruction. Or, yes, now, huh? perpetually. I hope I always stay in that place. I think when I'm like, very sure of where I'm at is usually when things start to change again. <laughs> so yes, definitely in a reconstruction, deconstruction, all of the construction going on. And and I guess let's delve into some of the history. I think what kind of makes your message unique, and I've been watching your stuff on social media, and we'll share some about that, but probably the uniqueness of your story is you, your parents are sort of well-known in, in the Christian in heritage and lineage that yeah. that I pastored in and what we would call in our stream of Christendom, perhaps. And some may know Johnny and Elizabeth Inlow. They're they're very good friends and have been good friends of me and my wife for a long time. But our politics have diverged in different directions. And your dad is known as a prophet in our circles and a very, is it fair to say, strong Trump supporter and I a person. So. Yeah. I so, yep, that's very fair to say. <laughs> As many of our prof prophets have become in our stream yeah. of Christianity. And so just talk a little bit about that. What has that process been like for you and for your household as as I've watched your father go in a direction that was a little bit of a surprise for me politically and probably yeah. a little different direction than I've gone? Yeah, it was surprising for me too. I think Growing up, I don't remember politics being that huge. Church was. My dad was a pastor. My grandfather was a missionary. I'd grown up that way. So that part of my whole process has been a whole nother topic outside of the political arena because politics weren't a big thing. And then I remember getting really into it when I was like 17. Thank God I couldn't vote yet because I was obsessed with Sarah Palin. <laughs> and I remember the the different political rallies that I'm trying to remember his name with the call. Yes, Lou Engel and going to all of that and the life tape. And I got super into it, like way more than I've seen my parents get into politics. And and then I remember right after those elections leading into Obama running for the first time, my dad just saying different things every now and then that would really spark a more progressive view viewpoint for myself. And then when the riots started happening, I believe in Boston over civil rights issues, I don't remember 
who it was that had just been murdered. And I remember thinking, this is crazy. People are rioting. This isn't right. And my dad really challenged that thinking in me and and explained, actually, this is really normal and necessary what's happening. And he was a huge advocate for the Black Lives Matter movement when it first formed, not the organization, but just that for social justice. And so that's... Let, let me interrupt for one I, second. So we're yeah. talking about around 2008-ish and yeah. you were right-leaning and your father was pulling you to the left politically. Yeah, I don't think he's doing that intentionally at all. But I, I do remember when Obama won and I remember thinking that, which now this is so cringy to me, I remember thinking like, this is so upsetting and going to church that morning and my dad was like, okay, but if you look at the black members of our church, they're celebrating and excited. And we actually have to look at that and ask ourselves, what's going on here? What are we missing? And that I was like, whoa, you're right. And so that kind of sparked a lot of my progressive journey, whether he meant to or not. <laughs> and and so it was, I, I don't want to say my dad was ever liberal or left-leaning because I don't know that he would say that about himself, but I definitely more so than he was Trump-leaning. And then when Trump started running, that's where it changed and where I had to ask myself a lot of questions because I saw a split forming. And today he is one of the leading advocates on our side of Christianity. And yes. Trump is going to be a two-term president as we're recording this on December 28th, probably still believing that to some degree. Yes, 100%. I think as of today, still believing that. And I think the majority of my family, I have three sisters and a brother, I think they tend to all go more that way, at least more than I do. So it is different being in my situation where I love my family more than anything. My sisters are my best friends. I adore my parents. I don't live in the same city as them, so I miss them all the time. But we have these opposing views that feel very important to each of us, and they feel critical and they are so opposing that it's it's been an interesting journey to learn to not let that come between us. <laughs> well, and I think that's where your story is really important because so many of us are think are experiencing this in our relationships, in our families, yeah. of these political divides. And it feels more and more like you're having to choose one side or the other. Yeah. And some folks are losing relationship altogether over that. And that it's happening so publicly in your family. And now you are being pretty public in, I think, saying, I don't agree. I have very strong opinions that are very different than my parents and doing it publicly, but also trying to say, I'm, but I'm going to stay in relationship with my family in the middle of it. And is that kind of what your message is that I'm seeing coming out from you? Unintentionally, yes, that is what's happened. And I'm so happy with that because I just keep hearing from so many people, even people more on my dad's side of things, that feel this tension and they feel this sadness that they have to choose between what feels like their moral values and then their family or their friends. And that is a that's not a fair choice for anybody to have to make. And so I decided I wasn't going to make that choice. <laughs> I was going to keep both. And I've always been very outspoken as an individual. And my dad and I have held the exact same views in the past. And we've both been really outspoken. And I've enjoyed getting on his Facebook and helping reply to comments and stuff. So I, the only thing that's really changed is that our perspectives have shifted away from each other. And so my outspokenness has always been there. And I didn't want to shut that down just because of family, because they see things differently. And so I've found a way to, as of now, keep both. And I want to keep doing that as long as I can. They'll have to be the ones to be done with me because I'm not going to be done with them. I love them. <laughs> we have way too much fun in real life doing normal people stuff outside of this temporary. Trump is not even going to always be alive. So I can't let that, you know, change and challenge my relationships long-term. <laughs> so talk about what that looks like logistically a little bit, because again, it, it is so difficult for so many of us. So do you just not talk politics when you're together? <laughs> and yeah, I guess a little bit, what does that look like when you're in the same room together? Yeah, so it's different. It involves boundaries, first and foremost. I think that it's important that I don't ever put myself in a room with my family when I don't feel like I can handle it. And they respect that. And I think they would do the same. 
we don't really talk about our boundary process together, obviously, but, but that's my first goal is that if I don't feel like I'm in a good headspace to be around somebody that requires me to put effort, then I'm not going to do it. It's not that they require the effort. It's the, the differences that require the effort. And then we, my dad and I try to avoid politics altogether. My mom is really good at being a referee and just being like, okay, don't talk about this, like change the subject now. <laughs> and uh, which is a bummer because that's what we use to connect on our current events. And we can't even talk about current events at this point because conspiracy theories come into play and then it just turns into more than just a, did you hear about this in the news today? So we've had to move on to finding different things to talk about. And I love my dad. He has shown way more interest in my job than anyone should have to show so that we have things to talk about. (laughs) And my sisters, my two younger sisters and I have never talked about politics or anything. So that's easy for us. We just keep talking about skin and boys and life outside of Donald Trump. And then my other sister, Justice, she's a lot, of course, a lot more into politics and more so than I am, honestly. And so she and I, we can actually talk about things and even debate a little bit and then just go, okay, this is pissing me off. Let's switch the subject. And and then we do. So it's just a lot of either brutal honesty or just we're cutting off this conversation. We're moving on to something else. So logistically, that's how it's gone, which is hard, like I said, because that's something we used to bond over more. But I'm learning that if that's what we're bonding over, then we need to find more depth to our relationship anyway. So it's been a good thing to have that happen, in my opinion. And, and was there, what was the heart process like in this? There, I'm assuming there, there had to be some heart process for you in it to say, I'm hanging in there as hard as it may be. <laughs> It's been ongoing. It's definitely a daily choice, I think. Especially I'll see something that they post that maybe just makes me feel like, oh my God, like this is so against everything I believe and think and live for and all of that. And like this doesn't even feel like my family, what's happening. And so then I have to immediately just switch over and process, okay. But what do I know that is true about my family that I love and adore? And and just switch that thinking to to more hopeful and positive perspectives. And then I always find myself like, okay, this is such a little thing. And logistically, it's also looked like the other day, my dad posted something that was pretty intense. And I was actually getting tagged in it and had people asking like, hey, is this about you? And it was something about the judgment of the Lord and like somebody being Judas and all this. And I was like, no, like my dad is not going to tell 60,000 people something. I, I just texted him last night. So unless something majorly changed. So I called my dad. I said, hey, dad, my PR people need to talk to your PR people. <laughs> okay, <laughs> you and I need to talk. I was like, people are thinking that you wrote this whole prophetic word about judgment against me. And my dad was like, oh no, not at all. He felt terrible that anybody would even think that and immediately was like, let me find the, let me say no, of course not. And then he, what really meant a lot is he was most concerned with me knowing that it wasn't about me and put in that effort. So I think it's it's been good for me to just, where in the past, I actually probably would have just let that go or stewed over it. I now like just call him and say, hey, this is what's going on. Or, hey, is this something I should be worried about? Or just addressing things when it so comes that- to a personal, a personal thing. If I was like, hey, I don't like that you talked about Trump today, that probably wouldn't be helpful. <laughs> <laughs> So you would you recommend people face that head on and say, hey, I, I'm going to love you. I can disagree with you. We can build boundaries. And do you think that could that would be something you would recommend for others? Yeah, I think if you want to get closer to your family, if you're trying to create, I know there are some families where things are toxic for other reasons outside of political views. And in that case, stay away from those conversations when it has to do with things like that. But if you are close with your family and you're trying to maintain that, then yeah, absolutely. Just address things. And I think if you, and I went to my dad saying, I know you didn't say this about me. Like, I know your heart for me. And I think if you keep things like that and you keep that door open and I was right, he didn't, it wasn't about me. So I think when we keep our perspective toward each other and remember like, when they're talking about these things that feel so hurtful and harmful, they're actually not about us. This is their worldview. This is something else. It's not a reflection on their feelings for their friends and family, unless they're a toxic person. And that's a whole nother, <laughs> whole nother <laughs> it's, situation. It's so hard though. I've had to literally, I don't know if I've unfollowed anybody on social media, but I've 
paused them or put them where they they don't pop up. Some leaders that I loved and really impacted my life and were very important. And sometimes it does feel like they are maybe not talking about me personally. That's me. (laughs) But certainly people like me and who believe like me and not only are saying they disagree, but are saying we're being led by Satan or influenced or demonic. and, And those things are really tough. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It definitely feels very personal sometimes. And so I think it's good to check in and be like, hey, this isn't right. It's a good reminder for everyone, (laughs) but it's not. (laughs) Do you find, are you okay if I ask you? Absolutely. Yeah. Ask whatever. Do you find, because you're in more of a place of leadership, you've been a pastor for so many years in the position that Ash is in, do you find people getting mad at you for? your perspective and saying that you're leading people astray and all of that. Cause I know in the trolls, which are a lot of times my friends go on my dad's page and are like, this is insane. <laughs> and they're like, you're leading people astray and all the worst thoughts that I have to control within myself. Are you getting that as well? Are you talking about from other leaders or from social media trolls? Yeah, both. Trolls are trolls. And and particularly now that I'm getting a lot of followers on TikTok, it seems like false prophet or false teacher is the number one thing I'm told on there. And yeah. so I always tell those people, hey, thanks for the views and the, and the comments. Keep them coming. Great. You know? Great. <laughs> but it's been, it's been really hard with other leaders. And I definitely have lost friends. I yeah. definitely have had people that used to attend my church that have sent very cruel messages Mm -hmm. of you're not who you said you were because they had an imagination of being an evangelical pastor of who I was and what I believed and that my agreements believed with theirs. And so we've just seen that that transition from where my wife and I have been uncomfortable with the right-wing partisanship of the evangelical church since the Bush administration, G.W. Bush, but we thought it was benign, but then we begin to see the harm, and it, uh, particularly in the Obama administration, and then, of course, with Trump, then the whole lid blew off of it. And as, as we started to see that, we started to say, oh, we've got to speak up. And then as we began to speak up, people who had hear, heard me hint at this for many years in my church suddenly were like, oh, my gosh, you know, why? I don't know, they feel betrayed by me in in some ways, because it has become you're either on this side or you're evil. So yeah, that's been really hard. Yeah, yeah, it definitely feels personal, I think, on all sides. I think that's what I've tried to focus on, too, is remembering as much as this hurts me, probably hurts them equally when they hear this kind of stuff from me. And if we can recognize that in each other, it actually creates an open door, because we're all feeling the same feelings just about very different things. (laughs) True. I think it really hit me when I walked outside of my church on a Sunday morning one day and saw one of the folks in my church had a a pickup truck and they had all these bumper stickers all over it and these Trump bumper stickers. And and then there was one on the bumper that said, Huck Fillery. And I thought, oh my gosh, if is that what I'm teaching people? Is that what somebody could sit and listen to me preach three to four Sundays a month and feel like that bumper sticker is okay? Then I've done something wrong. And, yep. and that's when it really hit me that I've got to speak out. And it took a while for me to get there. But yeah, those are the types of things I'm like, I don't care who you're for. That's not okay. No Christian, right. nobody who says they're a follower of Christ should have that bumper sticker. Yep. I know that's been one of the weirdest things is I've seen some of the craziest behavior come out of some of the most religious people that I've known or witnessed or, and it's, it, that's what's I think been the most disheartening is to see the, when there's hypocrisy brought in. And that's why I want to be so careful that I'm not ever on that side of things too, because I I don't want to judge that on somebody else and then see it coming out in my own actions or my posts or my responses back and all of that. Okay, I hope you're really enjoying this conversation. It gets me fired up to think about how we can fully disagree and even see harm the church is doing to the gospel and to people and say that must stop. 
and still make room to love people in the midst of that and hopefully be able to love them out of that mindset, but not feel the need that it's my job to fix people if they want to go a particular political direction, they can. But I can do that without saying, I'm not, I'm going to stop sharing what I'm supposed to share, which is the evangelical church has missed it. I think we've missed who the true biblical Jesus is and our partnership with politics that I've seen very strongly for the last 50 years of my life and more so even since the turn of the century is extremely damaging not only to the church but to a generation of young people who grew up in that church who are now young adults of the millennial age who are saying hell no we won't go to church and it's hurting the gospel and the ability to share the great message of heaven that we have to share as a church with others and it's going to take some looking at our theology differently to get out of that I love that conversation. Let me tell you one thing quick before we get back to that conversation. Many of you are saying, Paul, how can I help the nonpartisan evangelical to get the message out to grow? And there's a number of ways. We're social media based, and so we need the social media platforms out there. And TikTok and YouTube are our two major platforms right now. We need those platforms to know that you care and you love the content we're sharing. And the way you do that is go follow my account on TikTok. Um, it's called Old Pastor Paul. And you can follow it there, comment, watch the videos, you know, make sure you're getting on there and following the content, commenting, sharing it with others. That'll tell TikTok, hey, people really enjoy this content. We're going to get it out there. And also on YouTube, you subscribe. I do a little bit longer content on YouTube. I do a lot of lives on both. And so Follow on TikTok, subscribe on YouTube. And then there's another way. You can join us financially and so into this ministry financially. But it's a little bit different ministry than you've known. I, I've done it as a for-profit. So you can't get a tax deduction for giving because I believe it's important for us to pay taxes. So we have roads and schools and the things our communities need. So you won't get that tax break, but you will get the reward of sowing into the message of the nonpartisan evangelical. And I give out some cool stuff because it's for profit. I can also give gifts back to you and give value to you as you so into it. So there's the audiobook series of my audiobook that you can only get if you join our nonpartisan evangelical Patreon community. There's our private group Facebook page and you can with content that you can only get there. Like this podcast, we gave a preview of this podcast on the private nonpartisan evangelical Facebook group before this podcast came out. And other assorted cool things. And you can join for as little as $5.99 a month. And it really helps if I can get 300 people that will join at $5.99 a month, NPE can start to fund life so we can continue to do this and grow this ministry. It also helps me pay others to take some of the work off my plate so I can really concentrate on the content and a whole lot more. So the way you join is go to the Nonpartisan Evangelical website. That's Nonpartisan Evangelical, NPE, Nonpartisan Evangelical, NPEpodcast.com. And then in the upper right-hand corner, you'll see a Patreon button. Hit that, and you can support us at whatever level you would like to join. Join at $100 a month right now, and I will give you a monthly one-on-one -on -one of spiritual coaching, as I talked about at the beginning of this podcast, for just $100 a month. I'm only going to offer that through the month of January, so go click on it. Join us at $100 a month, and let's set up our meeting to start to get together, and let me do some spiritual coaching for you in your life. That's npepodcast.com and click on Patreon in the upper right-hand corner. All right, now back to this amazing conversation with an amazing young woman, young adult, and leader of many who are now listening to her important voice out there. This is Promise Inlow with us on the Nonpartisan Evangelical Podcast at npepodcast.com. It's so interesting, and I, I love having this conversation with you. And again, like your parents were two of the most encouraging people in our lives. In fact, it makes me a little emotional to think about it. And and then your dad was the first person. I never had heard the words QAnon until your dad told me about it. <laughs> How can and, those things both be true? <laughs> no. and, and because... He was so important in our lives and had said so many significant things to me. I spent, I watched, 
I literally watched four hours of, of YouTube videos about QAnon at your dad's encouragement. And, and I just remember thinking, like, first I thought, I've got to take a shower. This is so grotesque. I'm so grossed out right now uh, from watching these videos. But also, God, how it was just, it, there was just such a disconnect of how this could be coming from your dad. And we've had some good conversations around it since then. But I don't know, what was that? When did QAnon start to become a factor in your life? And when did you hear that come well, out? I wish I never knew about it. What's really funny is I have a very distinct memory growing up of me being obsessed with the idea that Courtney Love killed Kurt Cobain. And also that Marilyn Monroe was killed by the government. I'm not going to say where I stand on those things now, but... <laughs> I was obsessed with those things, those ideas. And I remember my dad laughing and thinking it was so funny. And he would entertain the conversation with me, but he would be like, that's that's how I learned what a conspiracy theory was, is my dad telling me that's what I was believing. And so when I first heard about QAnon from my dad, I think was probably a year and a half or two years after Trump was in office. I think basically right when QAnon became a whispering of anything. And I remember my dad talking something about JFK Jr. maybe still being alive and me being like, hold on, what are you talking about? And that's what <laughs> made me think, like, I should look into this. And I also am always on Reddit. And so I started hearing about it more on there. And at first I thought, well, maybe this is something interesting. Let me look. And then I was like, whoa, this is really, I thought it was ridiculous at first. And then, but then my second thought was, this is so dangerous because so many people are going to read this that aren't savvy at research on the internet that don't understand how 4chan or Reddit or all of that works. And they're just going to fall for this stuff. And people are bored and there's nothing good coming from Trump right now that they can really point to. So this makes sense. Now there's something here for them to point to and it's exciting and it's an exciting story and they can feel like they're a part of it and not have to do anything, which is how I feel sometimes about abortion is that abortion is something they can get really passionate about and into and not really have to do anything. And so to mm. me, it just went right along with that. But in my head, I was like, this is a phase. My dad is going to, this is not going to be the thing much longer. And then it, it did become a thing and it came out more and I would see it in his posts. And he was wearing a QAnon shirt when I saw him last. So it, it definitely is something he's very into and he's public about that. So I'm okay saying that. I think any discreetness he has is because he doesn't want to get knocked, kicked offline because they're censoring that kind of thing right now. But yeah, I did not think that it was going to really become what it became. <laughs> yeah. And the interesting thing about it, one other thing I would say about your dad, when we talk about profit, is your dad also was the first to tell my wife and I, Trump's going to win. And that God had right. told him Trump was going to win. And interestingly, and I really hope that I'm honoring your parents as well. And, and I I'll think about that if we edit this afterward. But even said, I don't want that to happen, mm -hmm. but I believe God has a purpose for Trump to be president. And I think he was implied that publicly when he first yeah. said that. Yeah. And so we, <laughs> I, I can't tell you how many times I think we picked up the phone and said, uh, okay, he just said he doesn't respect John McCain. Now he's not going to win. Or he just said he's going to grab a woman by their body parts. And your dad would say, no, God told me he's going to win. And so I, I so respect the gifting of, of your dad. And so it's just interesting where we've seen a lot of this go. And I keep saying, I see this a lot in the Bible where our prophets go in this political way. You, you see this through the time of Jeremiah. And even I think in the time of Jesus, part of what he Jesus' concern about the yeah. church is that the government and politics and making the country great again was such a big deal that they were missing something. And so I've determined I don't have to say I'm right and everybody else is wrong, but I do have to find a place in my mind to put like, either so, I'm crazy or somebody else is at some point. Uh, what I've had to remind myself about with my dad is, and I actually even said kind of something like this to him, but I was thinking, I was like, he's changed so much. This is crazy. How did he go from being the one to like help me get into a progressive um, mindset to wearing a MAGA hat? I don't understand what happened. And then I was, you know, like reading some of his posts 
And, and he said something to me on the phone when we were talking about something. I don't remember. It was a pretty light conversation, but I made some comment about something being very different. And he said, I haven't changed at all. I've been nothing but consistent. And I was thinking like, what? And then I really thought about it. And no, he... I think that is what makes my dad a little bit more different. And this is probably a lot my bias and I'm okay with that. But what makes him different is the reason why he's one of the last few still clinging to his message when a lot of other people are now daily dropping like flies, I think, from this whole Trump rhetoric is that he has the most hopeful perspective of any person I've ever known in my life. He taught me that he and he's been consistent with that all along. And so when he has hope for something, he puts everything into it and I've seen a lot of people accusing him of doing this for money and fame and all of that. And not to say I don't, I'm sure they're getting funds and something. I can tell you it's not a lot or else I probably wouldn't be speaking out against them. (laughs) But But he's doing this because he genuinely, deeply believes in what he's sharing. And he has hope that there is something dark, that something light is going to come out on top over. And I agree with that. (laughs) I totally agree with that part. And that's what I've tried to look at is the consistency in his hope and, and the, the Pollyanna, he talks about the movie Pollyanna where she plays the glad game and turns everything. And my dad has been so good at that. And I, I do think that is still there in all of his messages. So for people who have followed him and then found themselves discouraged because of stuff that's coming out lately, the core of who he is, the genuineness is still there. And so you don't uh-huh. have to worry about throwing away everything that you ever learned from him because there's still as there's so many good things. Yeah. And I, I know your parents are genuine and would not do something for money. And I think all of yes. that stuff gets overblown a lot with a lot of people. But I, I agree. I, I think I can believe that God had a purpose with Trump as president. I think God had a purpose with Saul as king in the Bible. He had a purpose with Herod and and the exposing of these things inside of evangelicalism, which mm-hmm. I think were deep in our hearts, but maybe weren't quite able to come out and be seen and started, like we say, during Obama. I think yep. we started to see some of this during the Obama administration. And so, I think it's good that our hearts are being laid bare. And even though it's really ugly and messy, yeah. I could say, yes, I think I totally believe those who saw Trump, right. God putting Trump in, but I just disagree with the purpose that that it was because Trump was so good and pure, it actually exposed something. And I think I see that in a lot of what you're doing on social media right now, is you're looking back at the the church that you grew up in and started starting to say, something's wrong here? Is that kind of a message that you're sharing with people in all of this as well? Yeah, it's so funny because I wouldn't even call myself a Christian or I definitely haven't been in a church in a while. And yet I still am very drawn to addressing the evangelical church. (laughs) Sometimes I'm sure that's just because of the therapy I need. But I think a lot of it just comes from that is that's where I came from. And I've seen so much of the good. And so it pains me even more to see all of the bad currently. And and I think when I talk about the evangelical church, that's like a blanket term I use for the part that needs to go away <laughs> and be done with and then leave the good and let that be what's there. Because it is so sad to me that such a beautiful message, everything about Jesus that I can't think of anything that you wouldn't want illustrated in modern day life from his story. And yet that's all been forgotten because when you hear evangelicals, immediately I see red, I see Trump, I see this whole world that is not what it's supposed to be about. And that's, I think, what gets me passionate about sharing and and being open and honest about my experience with it and, and validating other people's experience with it as well. You remind me of Rachel Held Evans, if you read any of Rachel Held Evans stuff. Her line was, I'm like the like the girlfriend who broke up with the boyfriend, but I can't stop looking at his Facebook page when she was talking about the evangelical church. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely to a T right now. To the point that I'll have people, they just assume, oh, you must be like an evangelical leader or something. I'm like, no, not even a little bit. I don't even want to be considered that. I just am passionate about seeing good come out of things that I grew up 
holding dear to myself. So who's responding to your message as, and I'm, I'm looking at one on Facebook now where you're talking about the politi politic politicization, if I can say that word. <laughs> I can't say it. Oh, my <laughs> Politicizing, how about that? Yeah. Of sure. the evangelical world. And I've seen you asking people to share their stories of their journey through evangelicalism. Who's responding and what are you hearing from people as you're sharing? What's the coolest part about all of this is I am hearing a million different stories. I have different friends now that are still very much in the evangelical world. I have Catholic friends now. I have atheists and pagan friends. I have a lot of people in the LGBT community. It's just so cool to see so many people care about a subject that you would not think you'd find these people. And that's what it's supposed to look like. I think that the original church or whatever was supposed to, you're supposed to walk in and be a little bit shocked at who you saw there. So I'm seeing those kinds of messages. I'm seeing a lot of hurt people, a lot of people that are still angry, a lot of confused people. And I'm also getting messages from people, like I said earlier, on my dad's side of whatever you want to call side of the political spectrum who have really appreciated my post because their own children have found themselves thinking more like me and they're enjoying watching how I process that tension and it's helped them relate to their family better. So I'm just getting to interact with all kinds of people and hear all kinds of different stories and people sharing stories people have been able to meet now because of this and connect. And I think just not feeling alone in your journey is so important. And if that's all I offer somebody is just a companion, even if I'm just typing away on Facebook, then that's, that's a lot more than I had during some of my journey. And so I want to make sure that other people have access to that. That's so good. I love that. And I, when I get somebody who sends me a message and says, I, I used to go to church, now I'm an atheist, but man, I love listening to your stuff and listening to your Bible studies online or something. I just think, how amazing is that? Oh, and it, it's who Jesus was, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's so good. And, and I think where I can relate with your story and where I am now, I, I'm just way less convinced that we hold all truth in the in the <laughs> fundamentalist evangelical church. And I'm starting to think that God's okay with me believing that way. How do you feel about that? <laughs> totally. Yeah. Yeah. I think that if you can't question something, that's worth questioning right there. And I think if whatever your God or your belief system or whatever your idol is in your life, if you can't question it, then that is a problem right there. And I think that God is big enough to, it's very cliche, to handle questions and to handle questioning. And you're not going to hell for wanting to be really sure of where your heart stands on a certain issue. And that can be about anything. I find myself feeling really passionate about certain things. And actually now what I do is the more passionate I feel about it, I'm making myself go ask more questions. Whereas before I would ask myself questions about the stuff that I was like, I'm not sure about this. I wonder, let's research. Now I'm like, I feel really strongly about this issue. I should go research that and make sure that I haven't just fallen down this, you know, tunnel of thinking this way just because I'm passionate about it now. That was a rabbit trail off what you're no, saying. No, I love it though. I, how painful was that journey for you? And was there mourning in that? Yeah, it was... It was definitely painful, like ripping off a Band-Aid. I felt nauseous thinking about doing it. I dreaded it. I delayed it for a long time. I tried to act like it wasn't ever going to happen. I tried to act like there wasn't a Band-Aid there to rip. Then I ripped it, stung a little, and now I felt like, why didn't I do that a million years ago <laughs> ever since then? So I mean, you were involved been, in, you were singing with a worship team in a church you yeah, were way I was in it school ministry and i was leading worship for three thousand of their students every week and i was married and i was like as deep as you can get as far as my commitment to all of those things i was in it and finally it reached a point i think when you get so in something that you you are not okay with you have to address it and i i finally i was like let me ask every single question I've avoided about all of these areas of my life. And let me do it all at once and just really go after it. And 
But yeah, it was tough. I I lost a lot at first, and then I anything I've gained back has just been amazing. And anything that I've lost, I've actually realized it's very good. That's not a part of my life anymore. So yeah, it, it was painful to wait to do that, and then it was really good once I actually let go and and let myself go on that journey that I'm still on and going to be on. <laughs> it's such a story I hear on such a regular basis. And if people know famous worship leaders in, in the evangelical church, like Michael Gunger or William yeah. Matthews, some of these guys, we're seeing this fairly regularly where, where people are coming out even saying, I'm not a Christian anymore. Yeah. So what do you think that, what, what does spirituality look like for you? And what do you think relationship with God, heaven, et cetera, is was going to look like in the church of the millennial generation? Oh, that's two very good questions. Not a big deal at all. So for me now, it looks like primarily a place where I've just let go. I know that's not really a great answer. I don't have any spiritual beliefs that I hold tightly at all at this point. Everything is very loose. And I think I've vacillated a few times between, you know, I'm never going to be associated with Christianity and like the idea of someone even being confused with me and a Christian was like, no, I don't want them to think I'm a Christian. I'm not going to use any words that would make them think I'm a Christian to I'm going to try meditation every day and I'm going to get these crystals and then I'm going to talk to the universe and I still totally believe in God, but God is just love and let me make this a more easy. I've definitely gone between those different places and now I'm at a place where I just don't feel like I need to have identity with any of it. And that's where I felt the most peace and contentness is I don't have to associate myself with anything. And I'm not afraid to be associated with anything either at this point. I don't know if that makes any sense, but that's where I'm at with it is I've just let go and I'm I'm good with it. And I'm enjoying hearing other people's stories. And, and I'm right now, currently, as in like probably the last year, I've been in a place where I don't have a lot of questions that have come up. And then once they come up again, then I'll probably go after them again. But I don't feel a, a time constraint on any of it. <laughs> and is there an urge for having a community around faith or spirituality for you and a, a, a church, if you will, of some sort? I think part of actually what was so painful to me about evangelical culture growing up, which I didn't realize, was that a secret belief I held was that if you aren't a Christian, you can't be a truly loving person. And for the last few years, and actually one of the main things that triggered that was I started working for a family five years ago that was like the most loving family I've ever known in my life, like genuinely, unconditionally loving, and they weren't Christians. And I was like, hold on, <laughs> what is this? Witchcraft? You're not supposed to be able to love. And so community now to me has looked so different than what I thought it had to look like. And so I actually have better friends and closer relationships and better relationships with family than I've ever had because we don't have to have those commonalities anymore that I thought we had to have. And I can recognize the goodness and the beauty in them and not have to put a label on it. I actually love my mom always says that one of her, fa one of her favorite things about God is that he will make the most beautiful sunrises and sunsets in the whole world, and he doesn't feel the need to autograph them <laughs> or put his name <laughs> at the bottom and let us know. And so I think that's what I've enjoyed about people is finding community where I don't have to know like why they are that way and assign it to a certain belief system. I just get to enjoy people. So I have found community, and it just looks way different than I thought. And I think sometimes I've missed a little bit of church and then I'll go visit a church and then I'm like, actually, I was a PK for so many years. I really hate these kinds of chairs and I really hate these same worship songs over and over again. And But I think I would feel that way no matter what I believed because I just grew up going to way too many church meetings. <laughs> <laughs> One thing about COVID for our family is my wife and I both were PKs, preacher's kids for anybody that doesn't know that term. And so we never knew a Sunday morning in our lives where we got to sleep right. in or stay in our pajamas. <laughs> and during COVID, we found, hey, this isn't bad. <laughs> yeah, no, it's amazing. Yeah, I, I don't think I missed that part. And I do think that's what's going to be different moving forward with church is I think, and this is maybe my hopeful Pollyanna perspective, I think church is going to look more organic. I think it's going to have to, and I think COVID's helped a lot with that. I think that 
it's, I know we've tried to do the whole like seeker friendly thing where we're like, let's be cool and so organized that everyone loves it because you're in and out. And then there's this beautiful program and all that. So the church went back and forth between those kinds of things as well. And I don't think it's going to have any of that anymore. And it's going to look a lot more just like being there for each other. There's a church in our community here in Atlanta that I love because it is, it's the center of the neighborhood and it's We've got a community fridge out there. They host every kind of event. They did a Halloween party. And I was like, oh my God, I wasn't allowed to even celebrate Halloween. How are they hosting a Halloween party? And they changed it. Instead of it saying whatever the name of the church was, it said the, this church cemetery (laughs) on their sign for Halloween. (laughs) So they've, they've become like the hub of the community and they offer so many things and they are just mostly a place where the families like to come and hang out together. And I think I would be willing to say maybe 50% of the people that attend that church probably aren't even technically believers. They just, it's a safe place. And I think that's what it's going to have to turn into is a safe place that offers something to the community. Let's finish with just you saying, where do you think you're going to go with your social media presence a little bit here? Tell people first where they can find you on social media. So right now, Facebook seems to be where I'm posting more stuff, I think, because I'm so long winded. (laughs) Instagram and Twitter are not safe places for me yet. So you can add me on Facebook, Promise Joy Enlow. And I, I do have Instagram and I do have Twitter, which you can find through my Facebook is probably the best way. But it's my Twitter is promise J or promise joy and low. I think everything should be promise joy and low. So it should be pretty easy. There's not a lot of promises, definitely not a lot of promise and lows, but I don't know where we're going from here. So feel free to join the ride. You never know when I'm going to post next. I might delete it tomorrow. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Promise. Great stuff. And, and I popped up on your TikTok feed the other day, which I was glad to hear from hey, you. I'm glad we connected. That's how we reconnected. So also, if you haven't given yourself a TikTok shout out, people should go check out your your TikTok. It's amazing. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And particularly because they're shadow banning me right now and I'm starting to get my feelings hurt. Oh, no. I'm I'm learning all these new things about social media. I don't even know how to use TikTok yet. So I will be calling (laughs) you when I get to that phase of my social media life. (laughs) Thank you for being public about your journey. And and I think you're going to be healing and helping for a lot of people to talk about how to disagree and still be honoring. And I just think it's an amazing thing you're doing right now. So thank you. And thanks for sharing it with us here today. Thanks so much for having me and for creating conversation like this.